Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O dot com, and use Spring Free to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today we're joined by one of my favorite leaders in the sales community worldwide. We are super fortunate today to be joined by the one and only Tony Hughes. Now, Tony's one of those people that has done it all. He's been successful at every single part of the sales leadership game. He's done the job with great success. He speaks about it at the world's biggest conferences. He's a best-selling author of multiple sales and sales leadership books, and he works closely as a coach with some of the most successful sales orgs in the world. So Tony's a big deal. He's had tons of success doing it, writing about it, speaking about it, consulting in it, okay? He, he's someone who's been part of what's happening in sales for a long time, and he continues to play a massive role in helping sales teams succeed in the modern era of selling. Now, this conversation with Tony is one I've been looking forward to for a long time, and I am pumped to have this guy join me, as he will most certainly bring some serious heat for our leaders all around the world. Tony, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Rob. And with an introduction like that, it's got to be downhill from here, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no chance, man. I've been a fan of you for a long time. Uh, our, our listeners are in for a real treat today. And I, and, and I mean it when I say this is someone who has done it all. And, uh, and I'm super excited to get your perspective on what I think will be a really important conversation today. So, so Tony, thank you for joining us all the way from Sydney, Australia today. So thank you, man. Thank you, Rob. And it, it's so good to talk to an American that's lived in Australia. So you understand Aussie rules and cricket and all of the bizarre things about our own culture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say go Geelong uh, in, in this next year, next coming foot of the year. Okay. So 
But why don't you start by just introducing yourself? There may be a few people that you're new to. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about you and what you do for your customers and kind of your approach to this sales leadership world that we have? Sure. Uh, when I was in my early, early 20s, I went and set up my own company in the USA. So I lived in the States for a few years. I uh, learned a big lesson in the States, and that is that if you can't personally sell, you are nowhere in life as a business or an entrepreneur. Right. I've, very, I've very, had a very negative attitude about selling when I went to the States, and I had that knocked out of me. So when I came back to Australia, I was actually prevented from going back into the industry I'd been in because we'd sold our company and took it to the States. We're getting royalties for 12 years. And I thought, you know what? I don't know what I want to do in business next, but I sure as hell need to learn how to sell. So I got a job in selling. I was pretty awful for the first few months. I had an amazing sales manager who did ride-alongs with me uh, and I did really well. And uh, I just ended up being promoted constantly um, into sales management and then decided, man, I'm getting, I'm getting paid at the average. You know, this is really a podcast for sales leaders and what I found is as an individual contributor, amazing lifestyle, amazing income, then you get lured into leadership and now you're getting paid at the average and the reward for success is a whole lot more crap, you know, that you have to deal with. Yeah, right. So what, what I'd end up doing is moving up an industry and go back as a direct contributor again. Anyway, long story short, I ended up in the software industry, worked for companies like SAP, uh, and then ended up leading the Asia-Pacific region as CEO for North American multinationals. And then nine years ago, uh, I left the corporate world, um, went out on my own doing consulting. And my clients include uh, people like Salesforce, SAP, IBM, uh, Siemens, so a whole lot of tier one brands. And what I discovered was my first book I published uh, the Joshua Principle was about managing the complex sale. I was very passionate about oh, winning cool. a complex deal. Yep. And the book's in its 10th printing. It's been a bestseller. It's been great. But what I discovered is that that's not the problem people really think they have. What they said to me look, is, uh, Tony, look, we know how to sell. We're reasonably okay at progressing and winning a deal. We just don't have enough pipeline. So then I got very focused on that problem. How do you create more opportunity pipeline? And I published Combo Prospecting. And more Which recently, I'm a fan of, by the way. I want to push pause. I endorse that book. I like combo prospecting. You can see behind me here. I should, should pull it out for you. I've got a copy of it in there. I love combo prospecting. I hope you'll get into your new one as well quickly before we get going because there it is, yeah. tech-powered sales. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to get to have you share a little bit about what led to that. So I'm sorry I interrupted, but to our listeners, good. read combo prospecting. Thanks, Rob. Well, this is a conversation, so uh, you interrupt me anytime. I tend to go on. So <laughs> anyway, so uh, published combo prospecting uh, because that's, that's the number one problem that people have, just not enough pipeline. And uh, for most sales leaders, I know when I ran companies as CEO and I've been sales director, you know, uh, president of sales for public corporation as well, I would feel like I aged a whole year of my life every quarter. I I'm sure people understand this, right? And it was just always, you know, not enough consistent quality opportunity pipeline and just doing unnatural acts, trying to drag deals forward. Um, so did combo prospecting has been hugely successful. Uh, but now we live in the age of automation. The 2020s is an amazing time. Uh, COVID has been a catalyst for the fourth industrial revolution. And we now live in a digital first world. And we all know that uh, people's buying journey typically starts online and within their trusted network. But the game now is all about creating amazing customer experience. And for CEOs that we report to and the board that they report to, uh, 
uh, trust me, in those environments, you know, behind all of the virtue signaling <laughs> about inclusivity and people's well-being and mental health and, uh, you know, leaving a legacy and doing well and also doing good in society, behind all of that, the brutal truth is that, you know, we as a sales leader and our people, all of the employees are units of production and the customers and the markets we serve are units of consumption. And right now, in the fourth industrial revolution, there's the opportunities for leaders to concurrently drive cost out of their business like never before, and at the same time, improve customer experience. Mm. Now, in the past, if you wanted to improve the customer experience, you had to throw a lot of money at things, but capital can now replace labor. And salespeople have always believed that they are immune. They are immune from the great disruption of the bots. They are not. It's true. All right. That is a killer, killer uh, way to introduce yourself. We could spend so much time on what you have done. But what I can't wait to get your perspective on is how you can help our leaders that are listening. We got them all around the world, Tony. Some of them are walking their dogs. Some of them are back commuting into the office. Some of them are even traveling again now, right? It's, it's all over the place. But I want to talk a little bit about how the sales world has changed. I don't want to have one of those things that have been talked about ad nauseum. Oh, Tony, how's it changed, right? We've, lots of people have done that. In fact, that term that you and I have both heard, the modern salesperson, that's been discussed over and over, okay? Yeah. I want to move past that. I want to go to the modern sales leader. And so let's start by how does the modern sales leader survive? No, I don't want to say survive. How do we thrive in the 2020s? moving forward. Okay. We're on the back half of 2021. We're right now starting to plan for 2022. How does the, what is that term modern sales leader? What do we have to do to really thrive in this environment? Cause it, it ain't your, forget about it. Ain't your daddy sales organization anymore. It's not even your big sister's sales organization anymore. Right. Uh, what does a sales leader in the modern day need to do that they might not have had to do as recently as a year or two ago? Well, just super quick, let's talk about the really big impacts. So, so we know that average deal sizes are going down. Failure rates within your sales team are going up. Sales cycles uh, can often blow out. There's the rise of consensus-based decision-making. There's more competition. There's lower barriers of entries uh, for, for, for other people to come in. So there's lots of challenges uh, well, there's inter- four you just gave us that we could dive into any one yeah. of those. But what you're saying is these are just conditions. Forget Correct. about that. What do you do about it? Yes. What do you do about yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he, he, here's the first big thing. We've always known that to be successful in the world of selling, uh, certainly as a rep and to a greater degree as a leader, you need reasonably strong IQ. You can't be dumb and be successful. Okay. The next thing we've always known that we need is EQ. And for people that move from being uh, an individual contributor to being a leader of sales, of running teams, mm-hmm. you need to be able to move from being self-orientated to, to team-orientated. But you need to understand politics, manage complexity, uh, and have high emotional quotient. Know your own strengths and weaknesses. That's really, really important. Many people get promoted into sales leadership roles and it's the Peter principle. They've been promoted to their level of where they're going to fail, right? Because it's a completely different skill set and huge pressure. But there's a third thing that everyone needs today, including leaders and your salespeople. And, and that's 
TQ, technical quotient. So IQ, EQ, and technical quotient. Because we are living in a world being flooded by technology and it's, it's easy to be overwhelmed by it. The reality is most of the salespeople that work for you, you're investing in this amazing tech stack and they treat it like their gym membership. You know, someone's paying the fee every month and they hardly ever go, right? So I find with sellers, if you sit down with them and say, hey, show me how you use Sales Navigator to construct bullion saved searches to notify you of trigger events that are happening in your marketplace. Because what we know in selling is the trigger events and referrals right. together are the superpower of selling. But you can automate, you can automate the monitoring of those role-based changes, for example, following the people that already support you into their new organizations, managing the risk of C-suite uh, decision-maker changes within prospects or organizations, identifying the things that contextualize the conversation. Most salespeople are busy having the wrong conversations with people. We can go into that a little later, right? The wrong conversations, but you can use tech to automate the process of equipping them to have the right conversations. So, we need TQ, technical quotient. And for you as a sales leader listening to this, there's the rise of RevOps. You know, the, the whole role of a chief revenue officer has been out for a while. The idea of the CEO being able to appoint somebody that can finally bring sales, marketing, service support operations together, to, to, together didn't really deliver in most organizations. But revenue operations is now having a resurgence around the complexity of the, of the tech stack. Selling is increasingly going to look more and more like marketing. Um, there's going to be few fewer sellers in the field. One of the predictions that we make in tech-powered sales, I co-authored that book with Justin Michael in America. Uh, amazing brain, amazing brain when it comes to using tech to automate top of funnel. Uh, but we believe that uh, about a third of field sellers this decade will disappear. And a lot wow. of the capital and money is going to be applied to inside sales with tech stack, with, with tech stacks, and you'll inject a real human being in the field at the right time. But the, the era of the of the Sir Lunchalot effusive blabbermouth, you know, that's evangelizing the market, uh, is is going away. And and the reality is, is COVID's been a catalyst for that. It's much harder to get on site now. It is. Yeah, I, I, I love everything you just said. You said a word that I want to hit rewind on and go back and sit on for a minute. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah, you, you said equip. It's a word I really like because I think equipping someone is different than enabling someone. And um, can we talk for a minute about, because for sales leaders, because that's one of my things that I, I've not, I don't hear spoken about very often, Tony. So it's, a, it's something that I'm a big believer in. And I think that it could be a really interesting conversation for our leaders thriving in the 2020s, how do you equip your, your reps? I'm interested. What does it mean to equip someone in your mind? Well, you need to give them the right tools, but they need to know how to, how, how to wield the tool effectively. Mm. Right? So it's one thing to equip somebody uh, with Sales Navigator. It's another thing for them to be enabled properly in how they're actually using it. So unless they truly understand the power of referrals and trigger events and then how to build those Boolean safe searches to work for them, um, then they're not going to be using it very effectively at all. 
For a tech startup at the moment in the world, they spend on average about $1,000 per employee per month on their tech. Uh, that's moving to $2,000 per month per person at the moment. Uh, Justin and I believe that uh, by about 2025 or maybe the back end of this decade, it'll be more like $5,000 per month per person. Wow. Now, the way that's going to get funded is there'll be less people in sales organizations, but they'll be far, far better equipped. Because I believe the, the, the future of selling is where buyer intent meets seller relevance. And that matchmaking is done by technology, right? So there's lots of technologies out there that can start to identify those lookalike organizations that fit our ideal customer profile. Um, that'll enable us to go and find the buyer personas that form consensus. That'll equip us with the, the direct dial phone numbers, um, uh, the other tech stack information about what that organization's using because buyers today expect us to have done our research, right? We right. have to be researched when we spring from the bushes for a conversation. Um, but, the, but the paradox is sellers don't have the luxury of time to typically do that to the level that they need to. So as a leader, we're thinking, well, I need to equip and enable so that people are actually effective, right? So I need to give them the right tools show them how to use it the right way. And that's kind of the role of, of RevOps now, right? So, so how do we take the traditional marketing disciplines with tools and apply them to sales? And there's one new category of technology you should be thinking about it as a sales leader. It's called uh, Sales Engagement Platform, SEP. The world's filled with acronyms, right? Yeah. So Sales Engagement Platforms. And it's, it's things like um, Ring DNA, Zant, Sales Loft, uh, probably the biggest one is outreach.io. Yep. Um, and what these platforms do is obviously automate outbound. But here's the problem. Most sellers are loading into the Gatling gun of automation spam. And all, and all they're doing is automating the blasting of spam into the market and damaging your brand and their ability to be successful uh, faster and in a more expensive way. So we need to, need, need to use technology well and understand the nuances of it. Well, I like how you try, you gave people a good definition of equipping versus enabling. And I appreciate that because it's not just having a tool. It's, it's being prepared to use them in specific situations to accomplish specific ends with a different degree of confidence. Right. And, um, and, and I like that because I think that the modern leader, if we're going to see tech spend going up from a thousand to 2000, ultimately to 5,000, which that's, that's crazy, but and I, but you're, I'm glad you're giving people a, the heads up on this. It's not going to be as simple as spend more or get more FTE. You're suggesting we're going to have more effective people, maybe fewer of them, that are using tools much more effectively. And if you're going to be a, a leader that's going to thrive in this environment, you better know how to equip people. Yeah, and, and the world is filled with technology. You know, one of the things that, 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 that makes my head explode with salespeople is salespeople are paid as much as doctors, dentists, lawyers, airline pilots. They call themselves professionals, and yet most of them don't know how to use their tools of trade. Hmm. Um, a lot of them don't take notes in a meeting. They don't maintain their system of record. You know, imagine if you were getting on an airplane and you heard the pilot you know, turn to someone and say, hey, I love flying. I'm just not into the tech, you know, or, or, or imagine 
imagine uh, if, if, a, if, if a cardiologist said that. You know, modern yeah. medicine is all about using the tech. And, and the reality is um, there's going to be um, fewer um, radiologists that are analysing images because machines and algorithms do that much better. I, I nearly dropped dead of a heart blockage two and a half years ago. Oh and I was, imag- I was imaged up and the image, images were analysed by two specialist radiographers who wrote up a report and they said I had a 60 to 70% blockage in one part of my heart. The reality was is that I was 99% blocked and a hair's breadth away from dead. Could a machine have done a better job than those people? Absolutely, yes. All right, so, so the cardiologist that will go and do angioplasty and go up in your arteries and insert a stent are using technology to be able to do remote, remote medicine. A cardiologist in New York could be doing it for someone in Africa but the role of analyzing the images, well, th- those roles are going to dramatically go away, right? Many sales roles are going to go away. And salespeople just think, oh, but, you know, I offer a relationship. You know, a bot could never offer a relationship. Well, I've got to tell you as a buyer, I don't want a relationship. I just want to buy my thing as easily and as conveniently as possible. Okay. So I want to stay and rewind for a minute. We talked about equipping. You said another word that I want to explore a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah. You talked about the customer experience and that we got to be in the world of providing these experiences for customers. I'll be interested in getting your take on that. I want to go one step different, one level deeper on experiences though. How important is it going to be for leaders to provide experiences for the salespeople? Do we need to start creating experiences for salespeople as a leader? Rob, that is such a great question because great customer experience begins with great employee experience. We've got no chance of delivering great customer experience unless we do that first for em- employees, which is our salespeople. Uh, I've, I've run CRM companies uh, in some roles in my past. Most CRM implementations fail. Uh, and the way you implement CRM successfully is it must enable the, pr- the processes for salespeople. So whatever your sales methodology is, needs to be mapped into defined processes with gates and that needs to be built into and enabled within your CRM and marketing systems. So the simple web to lead, discovery, qualification, doing proposals, getting pricing approval, you know, all of those things need to happen within your, your, your system of automation for selling. So implement technology in a way that enables process, uh, but also creates great experience. So it all needs to be designed. Let's talk about some of those experiences. I, I'm really interested to get your take as we look at how leadership is going to change. So I, if you think about where sales leaders interact with reps, right? I mean, sales leadership, you and I both know this. There's two sides. Part of it's managing up. You got to manage up, manage expectations and give them the information they need. But then the other part is leading up. And so I'm in that leading up now. We're trying to help our reps. There's really only like a few spaces that we really interact with our reps, as I see it, I want to like tell you what kind of the way I look at it. I'd love to get your take on it and explore it with you because I I really value your opinion on this. I, I think that we help them win deals sometimes. Sometimes we're helping them win opportunities. I think sometimes we're doing individual development with those reps. Sometimes it's called coaching, but call it whatever you want to call it, but it's helping them choose growth. That's a super important experience, I think. And then the last one is most sales leaders have meetings, whether they're training meetings or team meetings and if I'm honest, that's usually something that they begrudge 
it's an experience they don't look forward to. Are, are those important experiences? Are those going to change? Are those, it's going to be important forever? Other experiences you think that they need to provide? I'm very interested in your take on how does a leader create experiences for reps? One of the trends that's been going on in the last two decades is sales managers are increasingly spread more and more thin. So they've got more people that they're looking after, more reporting obligations that they're needing to manage up with, and they just haven't had the time to do the coaching. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I hope people are not offended that are listening to this, but I, I say to CEOs and sales leaders, the weak link in the revenue chain in their organization is sales management. I agree. Uh, that shouldn't be offensive. That it is. That's that's. So I'm. I'm sorry. I want you to sit on that for a minute. Let's talk about why, because everybody that hears me talk knows it's something that is not invested in. Usually we get the job, we get the territory, we get the team, we get the quota, and then we get told, now don't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> and so. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing is, is great sales leadership, sales management is, is around coaching and accountability. Right. So, so you want to be coaching your people around points of accountability. We need to recognize that our sellers are best motivated like prospects. They're best motivated mm. for reasons that they themselves discover. So rather than having our blowtorch in one hand and our, our forecast in the other, <laughs> you know, more revenue hit, hit, hit your number. Um, we, we, we need to be helping them have their own epiphany about what they need to really do to be successful. Most sellers are doing just enough to not feel guilty. They're not doing what it actually takes to be successful, right? They're not doing what it actually takes to be successful. Um, and that's why we get the peaks and troughs of performance. So every seller needs to be time blocking every day outbound. They also need to be time blocking preparing for outbound because most people that think they do outbound start to do outbound and realize I don't have phone numbers. I haven't done any research. I haven't, I haven't created my list. So they do outbound preparation, uh, telling their boss that they did outbound. So, you know, whatever it is, if people need to be making, and they need to get back on the phone. Again, we tend to treat the phone like it's covered in spiders today. You know, we, we fear rejection. We buy into the lie that people don't answer the phone. They do. Um, and the whole idea of combo is you pattern interrupt the way that buyers are just wired to ignore sellers. So phone them, leave a voicemail, send an email, text message them, right? So, so pattern interrupt the way they ignore, but with the right message. So sales leaders need to coach people around, show me your list, right? Is this in your ICP? Have you covered the buyer personas? Do you have multiple people in each organization that you're going at concurrently? Tell me about the conversation you're going to have. What, what's your worthwhile point of view? That is the reason this person should have a conversation with you. How are you going to warm the conversation up by showing them that you know them rather than fake friending and fake empathy building? Um, and then if they've got tools, like, you know, both coach and hold to account, get, get people to show you how are you monitoring for trigger events because we know they're incredibly powerful. So the coaching and, and accountability piece is so important in sales management. And, I'm, and I don't blame sales managers for this. Often the reward for success in an organization is, is one of the three sales managers will get fired. You know, and then the two remaining sales managers now just have more people to manage. So they've got less time to coach, right? So <laughs> we, we need to go back to that age of innocence where managers did ride alongs with their people. 
And it's so easy for a manager to, sh- to elbow the seller out of the way and rescue the deal and close it themselves. But sellers don't learn anything when that happens. Um, and all of these magic moments only happen in amidst the appropriate time. It's like someone who says, hey, you know, I, I just have quality time with my kids. Well, there's no such thing. The quality time happens amidst the volume of time. And you need to spend good time with your people if you're going to find those magic moments of coaching. So let's sit in coaching for another. I love this. This has been awesome. This has been even more fun for me than I thought it would be, Tony. I, I'm grateful that our leaders get a chance to, to hear your perspective on these things. Any one of these topics we could have done a whole hour on very easily, right? And uh, But I want to get maybe your take on, if we're talking about surviving in the 2020s as a sales leader, we've talked about coaching. Um, is there like one thing or two things that you might say to leaders, hey, if you want to get more impact out of your coaching, or if you want to be one of those people that's not that weaker link that we've talked about, is there like a best practice or one or two things that, hey, this is something that you really want to make sure you add to your bag of tricks? Okay, so, we, so we've talked about everybody. Us as leaders and all of our people have got to develop our, our TQ, our technical quotient. Like the, right. There's tons of technique. You've got to get good at that. Right. But let's go back to people. Um, I've, I've got a lens through which I look at any seller. And if I go back to me as a CEO or as a head of sales, if you ask me what are the biggest mistakes I've made when it comes to salespeople, okay. I was holding on to the wrong people for too long, mm. uh, thinking I was being compassionate, doing the right thing. So here's the lens through which I assess my people. There's three C's and a P. All right. Lay it on me, man. So here we go. So are they competent? So I'll go through, the, I'll go through this first, then I'll back up. So are they competent? Are they committed? Are they a culture fit for the organization? And then the P is, are they performing? And if, if the answer to two of the four questions is no, they have to go, right? If you've got two or more of these have a negative answer, they have to go. And then you need to define competent. So one of the, again, the big, the big lessons I learned, and it was very painful, was they're not competent if they can't write. Now, often when we hire people, we fail to assess for that. And we only discover later that they're hopeless at writing. And we end up rewriting their executive summaries, rewriting their emails, and they just chew tons of time, right? So, so, so competent means, you know, do they have TQ? Um, do, do they have good EQ? Can they write? Do they have good work ethic? Um, and then are they committed? Which means are they putting in the time? The time to learn as well as the time to execute. Culture fit, you know, means what are their values? Because personality and values are very, very, very difficult to change, almost impossible, right? You can build, you can teach skills. We all know that. But if they just have poor values, if they're not all about the customer, if they're not all about the success of the customer and their own team, right, if, if they're a narcissist, then, then, then they just don't fit, and okay. then, and then performance. So if someone's not, if someone's not performing, but those other three things are all there, then the diagnostic tool we need as a leader is a mirror, because you know we haven't set them up right, right. But if they are performing, <laughs> and those other things aren't there, then the moment they're not performing, they have to go. So, so we need to get rid of the people that don't belong in our team. Because the wrong people chew up enormous amounts of time, enormous amounts of time. A big mistake leaders make is they try and move the bottom to the middle 
We need to manage the bottom out and we need to move the middle to the top. And we need to use the people at the top as the way of moving the middle, you know, rather than just us. So help our great people become coaches and inspire and share what they're doing that's working well with the middle so that they can shine um, and not get consumed with the people that are never going to make it. I love your three season of P and I love your, your concept of not wasting your time on people who aren't getting there for a reason. That's so good. Um, can I ask you a question that I get asked quite often? I, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear your answer on this one. Okay. <laughs> I have two questions that I'm asked as a leadership coach. I coach coaches, as you know, that's what I do. And um, I get asked two questions more than any other. Here's the one that I'm getting asked so often right now. What do you do with top performers? How do you coach top performers? Uh, any thoughts? Cause you talked about the bottom. You talked about the middle. Uh, it's the number one question. Like, well, there's two questions that are my number one. That's, that's one of them. What do you do with them? Uh, any, any insights from you? You've been in this game and you know what it takes to, to thrive in the 2020s. Any, any comments to our listeners on what you do with the top performers? Well, I don't think there's much coaching to go on with top performers. Um, you certainly need to love them. You, you, and I, and I, I mean that in the right way, like love. Right. No, love, I, love, I got you. Love, no, love. I got you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, so, so take the time to understand them, what they're really looking for in their role. Make sure you give them a path. But here's the thing, you know, if we love look at, at if, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, at, 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 at the very top of all of that is self-realization. We, we all want to make a difference in our life. The, the thing I believe about selling is that selling is or can be a noble profession. It's about making a positive difference in the lives of others, both personally and professionally. Because that, that's, that's what selling is all about. We're trying to yes. break into the world of someone that's pretty committed to rejecting us. We're, try, we're trying to get their attention and we're trying to, to paint a vision to inspire them for what a brighter future would look like. Yep. Then support them with the business case for change and to secure consensus within the politics of their own organization and drive the risk out of achieving that, that better future state, those improved results that'll help that person in their own career as well as their company or organization with results. And to me, that's very noble. You know, it's not all about us having commission breath, you know, and being all about us and trying to make our sale. And the thing is, as a sales leader, it's kind of the same thing. You know, we're all about making a positive difference in the lives of our people. Yes, and you know, I know, and I know one of one of the sales reps that worked for me years ago, you know, is is now the president of Adobe, running all you know all of Asia Pacific, wow. you know, five thousand staff, amazingly successful person, you know, and he's successful because of him, not because of me. But but I look back and think, wow, it was so great that I got to play a little bit of a role in his life as his boss when he was a seller. Um, so so for your top performers you know, truly get to know them and what they want, re- really understand them. That's how we, we create that emotional connection. Make sure that there's a path for them. That's not our path. It's their path, you know, that they want. Many high performers love the fact they've got a great lifestyle, right? They don't want all these headaches and problems. No, but, right. But here's the thing. I, I think if you can help them coach others, that's a thing that'll give them a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment because they'll be making a difference in the lives of other people as well. They'll, they'll then love the place they're working for, not, not just the results they're achieving. 
That's a great answer to a question that I did not give you a heads up that was coming. And I love that about you, Tony, that you didn't flinch. You didn't mind. That's a, that's a challenging question that pretty much every sales leader has to face is what do you do with those people on the top? I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is we fail to love the love group. That's what I call it. So when you went to love, you know, we got to love that group, man. And we got to connect to what they aspire to and help them get there at least as fast as they would have done had they been left on their own. Because if you leave these people on their own, it becomes easy to say, well, I can do this anywhere. So, Well, you know. Robin, you, you know, one, one thing I say to sellers is, is you need to love your sales manager because rather than throw rocks at them and criticize, if you knew what their life was really like, you know, the, the way that they, they live, a, you know, their life in a sausage grinder, you know, these incredible expectations from above, all of these demands from below, huge levels of pressure that they shield their sellers from. You know, you as a salesperson should think, I, I want to be the person in my boss's team that's low maintenance and high performance. You know, mm. when I, like I tell them the truth, I deliver on my commitments. If I'm not making my number, you know, I'm sure as hell working my brains out, right, to make sure I'm building consistent pipe. Um yeah, because it's a tough role. It's a it, sales management is one of the, the toughest roles in the corporate world that there is. Amen. We could end on that because you're right. But I've got at least one more thing I want to ask you. We have a couple more minutes still. It's gone fast, Tony. Uh, this has been fun. You mentioned early on when you started talking, like uh, uh, this whole conversation is like you made a really awesome introductory statement. I've now got back to talk about equipping and we've talked about coaching and we've talked about experiences. Now I want to talk about tech just for a minute. Okay. Um, I think there's an interesting conversion point with experiences and choosing growth and coaching and what our role as leaders are. (sighs) When we're leading people, we got to use tech. Do we like, what's the role of like, using tech to identify how we lead people. Like I have this term that I call spreadsheet leadership. And I think a lot of leaders, you know, even just a few years ago, the the idea of data-driven leadership was a really positive thing, but I think it boiled down to people being what I think is lazy, just saying, where are you on the leaderboard kind of thing? Can we make a mistake of like maybe being too reliant on what the tech says and maybe missing the opportunity to connect to the human right now? Is that, is that even a thing right now or am I wrong? Yeah, Rob, I really love your questions, buddy. Um, that's such an interesting question because data never lies. Right. But, but data never tells the whole story. Okay. This is going to be a good way to end today. Let's go. So, so, so data never lies, but it never tells the whole story. Um, we know right now with tech, a lot of meetings are happening uh, over platforms like Zoom. And a lot of clients are happy to record. If you say to the client, hey, would you mind if I just record this so I can go back and take some notes? So I just really want to focus on a conversation rather than taking notes. I just do you mind if I record this. Customers are really happy to do that a lot of the time. You as a manager can sit down and, and review. You can review that. You can review the way the person's running discovery. You can review the types of questions that they're asking. You can review whether they picked up the buying signal or not. You can review whether they actually created some progression in the call. Uh, you can review whether they secured any form of commitment. Because the, the thing we know in selling is that is that a deal's truly qualified when the customer is sharing insider information and giving us access to others. And often the sell, our salesperson will say, hey, it was a great call. Well, why was it great? Oh, they, they were really interested. I'm going to send them some follow-up information. 
uh, I don't think that's particularly great at all, unless the customer's doing something, right? So w- we know that the three reasons that deals typically stall, you know, when you're trying to close out your quarter or your year, is a lack of commercial value in the mind of the buyer, a lack of consensus in the organization for change, or just some nasty surprise in their process. You know, we didn't understand their evaluation, selection, procurement process. Again, if you're, if you're getting these calls recorded, you, you can be looking for those things, right? So, so that we can coach around accountabilities. You know, h- how did you create progression? Um, you know, you asked some questions that tried to qualify the person, right? But did they give you insider information? So use, use technology. There's, you know, things like Gong, there's all these things that record calls. Again, AI and algorithms will start doing a lot of this coaching. It'll start looking at the talk listening ratio. It'll analyze the type of questions that were asked. It can even analyze intonation of voice. Um, years ago, we all looked at those geeky Google glasses. Remember that? That was going to be the big thing. Yes. Well, they're just not needed because most meetings today are happening behind a camera and you, you can plug in algorithms that can tell, is the person lying, right? Are they, are they being truthful in what they're saying? Is there genuine intent there? Uh, it's, it's amazing the things that tech is going to be able to do to augment and help the seller so that we can focus on the truly human elements. And that's what we want to do as a sales leader. As a sales leader, don't do the things that technology can automate. Go into your organization and make sure that there's a strong rev ops capability in the business that's focused on getting the right tech stack into the hands of people in a way that actually enables them properly. We don't just equip them with the tech, we enable them to use it all properly. And even things like forecasting, but there's, you know, there's, a, there's so much time wasted you know, with these cadence calls and forecasting and end of the quarter. So you can give yourself time back as a leader by using tech as, as well as for your people. So yeah, just really encourage you if you can to get tech-powered sales. It talks about what the future looks like and it's obviously technology and people and it's getting the humans applying their amazing skills of, 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 of imagination and creativity and navigating politics and building the business case and gathering consensus, you know, all of these things and then get technology doing the things that gives them the time back. So Tony, you've mentioned RevOps like five times in this conversation. There's clearly been a rise of RevOps. I, I, I see RevOps having very important roles. Is there like a kind of when you start to wrap this, is RevOps a relationship that these sales leaders should be like prioritizing? Is a RevOps person critical to your success or, or they're necessary evil? I mean, is this someone you should be partnering with? Well, I think, I think this may be a bit challenging, but if you're a sales leader, I, I would consider ascending to being the head of RevOps. Because I want you to say that again, because I love where you're going with this, and I don't want this to be lost in the noise. I want to put an yeah. underscore and a bold on that. Can you say that again? Well, the future is revenue operations. So as a sales leader, you should aspire to be the head of revenue operations because that's where you bring marketing, sales, service support together seamlessly to execute amazing customer and employee experience in a way that differentiates in the market and it lowers the cost of acquisition, onboarding, retaining and growing clients as well. Right? And, and sellers will always play a role, but there's going to be less sellers and there's going to be more tech. 
Um, and, and RevOps is the inflection point of working out how to do this effectively. Love it. Tony, this was fantastic. Um, I want to give everybody the opportunity to connect with you and buy, get a hold of your book and make sure that we've got those identified. But I generally finish every episode with three quick questions. I want to run them by you. I want to see how it goes, if that's okay. 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 Biggest sales leadership challenge you see right now and, and, and quick insight on how to beat it. Lack of sales pipeline kills most organizations, creates insane levels of stress. So, Love it. so, so you, you, you have, it's a long answer to how to nail that, but, but get obsessively focused on the activities. We can't manage results. All we can do is manage the activities that feed into objectives, right? So if to de-risk our result, we need four times pipeline coverage consistently in the business, right? So the result is, is, is hit the number. The objective is to de-risk it with 4X pipeline coverage. The activity to do that, there's a big conversation in all of that, but get focused on, on holding people to account on consistently self-generating the pipeline they need. Boom. Love it. Number two, when you're helping people build teams or you're building teams or you have built teams, is there a characteristic or an interview question or something like that that you look for that leads to team members that you really like to have? Is there one thing that's your go-to and what is it that you like about that? So personality and values, you know, they're the, they're the things below the surface that are really hard to actually uncover. Um, because basically, if you want someone to be in a role where they need to create some tension and drive for an outcome, and they're yeah. an amiable personality, you will forever be asking them to do unnatural acts. And you'll <laughs> endlessly have to be externally trying to motivate them. And it's all too hard, right? So you want someone who's got, who's got a driver personality but it's underpinned with really strong, good human values, right? So you've got to figure out how, how, how do you identify those people? Cause that's what you're looking for. Last one, leaders are readers. We found that the great leaders never stop choosing growth. And, and what you put into here is one of those things. We're going to definitely uh, endorse combo prospecting and tech powered sales. Is there something else that you would suggest that people, if they want to advance their sales leadership kind of journey that they get their hands on? Um. No, just read my books. That's all you ever need. No. My man. <laughs> there's a, there's, there's, I, was, I was joking. There's, there's, one, there's one book I, that I, I really, really like, and it's very, it's very relevant. Anthony E. Norino has got a book, um, Eat Their Lunch. I've got and it, it's, yeah. It's really good because growth today increasingly comes from taking market share away from competition. It's actually rare that there's nothing in place for an organization, you have to convince them to change. Um, and, and that's a big challenge that people have got. Love it. Tony, this was fantastic. You know, is there a final thought that you'd like to share with these sales leaders all around the world that are, you got thousands of people listening to you right now. Uh, any final thoughts and then, and then wrap that with how do they get more of you? You're going to have a lot of people that are going to want to read your book. You know, where do they find it? Uh, can they connect with you? Can they keep the conversation going? You know, yeah. any of those things, any, any final thoughts? And then how do they get more of you? Actually, I struggled with that last book. There is another book, Crack, uh, C- Cracking the Sales Management Code by Jason, Jason Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, I, I love that book. It, I yep. think it's the best book ever written on sales management because, because it simplifies the complex in a, in a very clever way. So I recommend that as well. Um, the, the best way to connect with me is in LinkedIn. So okay. Tony Hughes in LinkedIn. My website is Tony, uh, tonyhughes.com.au, tonyhughes.com.au. 
I've also got uh, an e-learning sales enablement business, salesiqglobal.com, salesiqglobal.com. Um, so we've got a great program for consistently building sales pipeline. Um, nice. Yeah, so, so, so feel, feel free to connect with me online. Um, I, I publish, publish lots of content uh, on my website. You'll find lots of podcast recordings, a link to my video channel. I've got hundreds of videos. One of the things I'd really encourage you as a sales leader, just want to finish on this. If you don't have a book club going in your organization, you need to. So start book club, make salespeople read, <laughs> say, here's the book, you know, at once a month in a sales meeting, we're going to discuss the book. If you haven't read it, you're going to be embarrassed. Even give them a quiz or a test on the book, but get people reading. It's the best form of training you'll ever do. They hear their own voice in their own head. They engage their own imagination. They invest their own time, not yours to actually become better. So definitely have have um, ha- have book club. I've got lots of videos on my YouTube channel, but even get people to watch a video and then talk about that, you know, in a sales meeting. How can we take one idea and use it to move the needle just a quarter of a percent? If you keep moving the needle, you know, on whether it's qualification, discovery, objections, closing, questioning, opening, you know, opening is the most difficult and most important phase of selling. But get them to watch videos on those topics and talk about them in sales meetings so they can learn from each other as well. Love it. He's Tony Hughes. He has done it all in sales. He's been the sales guy. He's been the sales leader. He speaks everywhere. He's written the right books on it. It's what he does. It's what he talks about. It's what he writes about. Uh, We are fortunate to have you join our show today, Tony. Uh, You're helping drive the future of sales and RevOps. And as I say to everyone, Thank you for joining us. And my friend, happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to thank our friends at Scipio for bringing us this episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Listen, texting is one of the last platforms where you can really differentiate how you engage your customers. And I'm all in on Scipio's mission of getting texting right. I've really dug into their product, and I'm telling you, I love it. If you haven't checked out their playbook on texting done right, you need to check it out. Since we've started this partnership with Scipio, I've had several sales managers reach out to me and tell me just how much they like the Scipio platform. It's simplicity, it's powerful features, and the impact texting done right creates, it makes this tool a must-have for the modern salesperson. Don't forget, not all text platforms are created equal. Scipio only does texting, and they have a platform I know you're going to love. So if you want to get more people to attend the meetings that they schedule with you, start using Scipio. Their platform is the most powerful and the most personal one I've ever seen, and I've checked them all out. I know the Scipio team personally. I know they'll give you a killer experience. So take advantage of a free month with no strings attached. Compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com and tell them I sent you by using the code Rob on that sign-up page. Pick that top package, enter the code name Rob, and watch your cost go down to zero, and then get ready to get blown away at how the right text platform can change the game for the members of your team. This podcast is also brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders, you've been left to figure out your sales leadership system on your own. And if that's the case, hit me up. Because while there are no shortcuts or silver bullets to success, I do know you'll get there faster if you take the most direct route. And there are a lot of ways I can help. If you like this podcast, you'll love my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. Think of it as the Home Depot for sales leaders. I share my very best content, 
over 100 hours of training with updates every week, and then insights to what I'm working on with sales leaders around the world. You can find everything you need to build your own elite sales leadership system at Sales Leadership United. But most leaders have never had a coach in their corner. And I'm telling you that now is the time to give this a try. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline, they invest in themselves. So save your most precious resource, your time. Because small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you can find those small improvements, you'll see they create massive results. And you can get those results this year if you want them. So hit me up today. Tony Hughes, the dude is a legend. I am so grateful he, got, he joined me on the show today. I loved how he set the table with current conditions. And then he set about telling us what to do about it. And early on, he gravitated to the need to use tools to help us to do our jobs more effectively. And I absolutely loved that metaphor he pointed out that all modern professionals are using to use tech in order to do their jobs as effectively as possible. His idea of a pilot saying, I love flying, but I hate the tech made me laugh out loud. But we do have this reality with so many sales teams that adoption is almost optional. Um, And that's why I thought Tony's emphasis on RevOps was so interesting that the future of sales leadership is in revenue operations. Because in the modern world, we have to meet the customers wherever they are, and we have to make the process easy. And that means a highly equipped salesperson. This will require a different kind of coaching. This will require us to flex as leaders and to change. But I think he's right. In fact, I'm already seeing it. Revenue operations is going to become more and more important for companies, and I'm seeing them take key roles in some of the kind of more significant companies in the world right now. And I think that's going to only grow and get more prevalent. And what this means is how we sell will continue to be more important than what we sell. And as leaders, we're going to have to work hard to stay aware and equipped ourselves. We have to be able to create environments where our reps are able to compete more effectively. One of my very favorite leaders I work with blocks time where he's evaluating new tech every single week. And it's not because he's planning to buy. It's because he needs to be aware of all the latest tools. He knows he needs to stay relevant and he needs to stay aware. And as a sales leader, we owe it to to our reps to create impact of their careers, to create life-changing years. And to do that, you need to make sure you're working hard to create well-lit pathways for success. And this takes work. It's not easy, right? Tony said it at the very end of our conversation. Sales leadership is one of the toughest jobs there is. And he's right. Because if you're going to do this job right, you have to really individualize what you do. And that takes time and it's not easy, okay? Um, Because we're in the people business. I don't want you to forget, like the very end of Tony's conversation with me, he made a great statement when he said, data never lies, but data never tells the whole story. So I want you this week to really think long and hard about finding that balance, We have to figure out how to equip, not just enable. And at the end of the day, we've got to be in the connection business, right? So here's to being in the connection business this week. Connect to the goals and the aspirations of each rep. Connect to the needs and the opportunities of each rep. And intentionally create progression on a weekly basis with each member of your team. And then, and only then, does their success become part of your success story. So, Tony, my friend, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. 
To all of our listeners, if you haven't already, please go connect with Tony. Scoop up his books. Consume his content. I love Tony's point of view of what's happening in sales. And I promise you, you'll be a better leader if you're learning from Tony. I love what he's all about. And I'm so grateful and appreciative to have him joining us on the show today. Thanks also to our friends at Scipio for their support of the podcast. Do yourself a favor and check out the Scipio texting platform today. Take advantage of their free 30-day trial by going to the sign-up link, entering the code ROB, and then start communicating with your prospects the way they want to be communicated with. And I think you'll be surprised just how much impact texting done right will create. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The show continues to grow each week. Right, And I'm grateful to each of you. And the greatest compliment you can give is to take that message from today and share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share it with your colleagues. Uh, I appreciate those endorsements. And please keep those five-star reviews coming on iTunes because they go farther than you may, may think on helping me get the best sales leaders in the world on as guests on our show. And so my, my challenge to you hasn't changed. I challenge you to be elite. I challenge you to create impact. Chase your passions, live strong, and whatever you do, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.